so here in New, uh, in, um, New Hampshire, before we left when we were um, part of the youth group, I was called Mama G. So I decided that I would like to be called G Mama as a grandma. <laughs> Uh, so also, my t-shirt, can you read it? It's pertinent. I'm going to talk about boxes, so I had to wear it. Um, <laughs> thought that was pretty cool. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gretchen, mother of five, grandma to one. And um, um, we've been in New Zealand for four, well, nearly four years now. And... Um, about a month ago, I had my first opportunity to actually preach. Like I've shared, because we do like a once a month where you share your testimony, and I've done that, but I've not the opportunity to preach. And uh, let me just tell you, honor your pastors. There is, I, I spent an entire month to prepare. It was, it was, it took everything out of me. And when I was done, all I wanted to do was lay down. It is it takes that much. I mean, I was, I spent an entire week on the chapter that they wanted me to read, just reading it over and over, and going, God, if you don't give me something, I'm going to read the chapter, and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> so um, I've studied the commentaries. I've, you know, those who have gone before have some great knowledge, um, and so I'm just going to give it to you, but really understand that when you get something from your pastor that the Lord has given to them, it's taken. It's not just like I read a book and here, you know, there's something that they're giving of themselves to you, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, that's not on my notes. Um, <laughs> so um, the, I'm reading from John 11, and um, I'd like to, like, the, I'm going to go through a few different things, but I'd really like for you to know me, so... There will be points where I point out, oh, this new thing that I learned, because really studying the scripture and really digging into what was going on in that time frame, what was happening, it just, it makes it so much more alive, and I just enjoy that. And so, I'm sorry, but you're going to get a little bit of that from me. Um, and then um, it starts, the text starts out uh, with the story of Lazarus, and when he passes away, Jesus' friend. And um, so... It's the funeral of Lazarus, <laughs> really. And so I want to just kind of go through a little bit of the funerals that are familiar because the funerals in New Zealand are completely different from funerals here. Um, and so New Hampshire, you know, you, somebody passes away and you have probably two or three days where, you, where you, the body has been prepared and you go to the, what's it called? The funeral home, that's it. And you... Um, you, you, you make, if it's an open casket, you get to say your goodbyes to the person. You get to connect with the family. You, 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 um, you mourn with them uh, there. And you, maybe you tell stories. Maybe you talk about the great things that you've experienced with them. And, um, and then the third day, they, right around the third day, they will have a funeral service, typically in a church, and they'll, um, the pastor will share some stuff, maybe the family will share some verses and some stuff, and then you, you have that processional which you follow to where you're going to put the body in, and all of the cars follow, it's quite a unique thing, you know, when all the cars follow and the headlights are on and all traffic stops for you, that does not happen anywhere else, that's an American thing, it's really pretty unique, I really like that, you know, it was really, I didn't realize it was unique until I was in another country, and they don't do that, so, um, 
in, in the Māori tradition, which is the natives of New Zealand, um, they are well, probably predominantly white, but um, the Māori's are the natives. So there's probably maybe 40% are Māori, and then the rest are everyone else in the world who decided to come and live in New Zealand. And, um, and uh, very multicultural. But the, the Māori tradition, they're very, very, very family-based. So if somebody passes away, uh, body is prepared and brought back to the home, and it stays in the home the whole time. And people come to the home, and they connect. With the, they, they will have a moment where they can go in the room where the body is, and they can yell at that person if they had a frustration or they had a hard time with them. They get it out. They let it out, and then they're done. They let go of what was carrying on their shoulders between them and that person. If they didn't and they just want to mourn it, they will mourn with the family. And they will spend three days mourning with the family, just connecting with them and eating and mourning and eating. Eating is big. And, um, and then they will um, take the body to the marae, which is a family... Um, what? It's, it's like... It's like, um, no, it's, it's like they have a church there, and they have, well, you, you have your, um, I would try to think, um, like with the Indians when they have different tribes. So, it's, but it's not, the, it's not where they bury them. It's where they um, celebrate them. Um, they bury them somewhere else. But they, they all, they, you call it your marae. I'm going to my, my marae. You could go there if, you, you know, to have a sleepover. Um, <laughs> Trinity has done this, which is why she now wants to be a Modi. And um, <laughs> um, and they 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 sleep overnight there with the body, and then they have their service and they um, respect the body, and then they have a big feast at the end so that everyone can go home, enjoy. You know, you've had this time of mourning, you've had this time really interesting and intimate. Um, the Jewish tradition, from what I had been studying, um, was quite unique. They bury the body within eight hours because they're in a very hot climate, and that would not be pleasant to have that body sitting around. Um, so within eight hours, the body's prepared and buried um, in the grave. I, I believe, actually, that they put it into a tomb until the decay has happened, and then they take the bones and bury them. But the, f the, the mourning process happens at the family's home, similar to the Modi's, and they um, hire professional mourners who just come in and cry. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, when you, when you say the loud, when you hear the story about the mourners following them, that's, that's what it was, is that, that that's what they were hired to do. That is what they're going to keep on doing. They're mourning. They're weeping and wailing for the family. And um, you hired a violinist or a musician who would come and would just play sad ballads the whole time. If you were not wealthy, you still hired a violinist. You didn't, may not have hired the mourners, but um, so in the story, that's, that, that goes on. Mary gets up and goes, the mourners follow her. <laughs> I can only just imagine the noise that was coming when she was coming to see Jesus, you know, that mourning and crying and just this procession that's there. Um, it's like just forces them to get out, get it out, get it out, let it all out, you know. So it was really cool. Um, So, like my T-shirt says, think outside the box. Throughout my sermon, you're going to hear me point out boxes. So we always have these boxes that we either put ourselves in, we put God in, we put other people in. You know, God can only do so much. I can only do so much. 
you know, God can't really pull them out of that. They're really at a point where they're done. You know, we, we have these boxes, and so my encouragement throughout this is to really connect that. Where, where do you have people in boxes? Where do you have yourself in a box? Or what, what about God? What, what box do you have him in? He's allowed to go this far, but not any further. And I just, um, just to be processing through that while I'm talking. Mm-mm-mm. So I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you for today. Thank you that we can be here with you. I pray that you would just be here, that we would hear, Lord, that we come to church to worship you and we come to be fed, to learn something new. And I pray that we would have the ability to live that out, Lord. Live more like you, look more like you, smell more like you. The things that you did were for our example, Lord. I just pray that we would take on those examples. I pray that you would um, stop me from saying things you don't want me to say and that you would just feed us what you want us to hear, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. John 11. Um, as you know, the beginning of the chapter starts out where there, um, Jesus and his people are his people, his friends. They're off ministering, and they get the word that Lazarus has gotten sick. Obviously, it's sick enough to death that they were like, we need to call him. We need to, you need to get him here, you know? And so they send word, and Jesus, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to wait. He's just going to go to sleep. And he has this whole conversation with his people. And um, I just think it's just so awesome that God is not controlled by our thoughts and our emergencies and our problems. He, he knows what's best. And he, do I keep pulling away so you're turning this up? <laughs> um, he knows what's best, and he's just, it doesn't, it doesn't phase him. It's not like, oh, my goodness, I need to get there right now. It's he knew. He knew what was, he was about. He knew who he is, you know? And so I, I just encourage you to think that through, you know? And when things are going rough and you're like, why aren't you answering me right now? He knows what's best. So we're going to start in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know, he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. That's where we're going to end for right now. So this is the part of me. So I was, it was really interesting when I was reading through the commentaries and really studying what was happening here and all that was going on. Um, just little things, like Martha was the older sister. That's what, that's what they, they um, portray it as. Martha's the older sister. Lazarus and Mary are her younger siblings, living in a home um, apparently without parents. They were the ones running the home, you know. And um, I just think for a lot of reasons that's profound to me because in that culture... Um, your parent, you would go with a relative. You wouldn't live on your own. You would go with a relative. You would, especially as a woman, you know, you were, you were always taken care of by someone else. And here's Martha, strong and able. And so it just gives us this, we're going to get a get different glimpse of Martha. We're going to see her in a different light. We always picture her as Martha, the one who's busy, busy. Um, you know, when, when Jesus is there and she's, got to get my sister to help me out. And, and um, so this, just, this is a different view of Martha, and I just love this view of her. Um, and then um, the other thought was that they called Jesus master, teacher. They studied under him. That was big. Men were the only ones who studied. And so it's just like this box that, that Jesus was breaking, you know. It doesn't have to be that way, just the men. Just men studying. He wanted everyone. He didn't have... A separation. He, he, he included them all in that, and that was just such a beautiful thing. And so who are we to not include that, you know, to include women and men in, in the study and the whatever it is that God is calling us to? It's not labeled just for men. It's not labeled just for women. It's this, it, you, God is not partial to that. The other thing that I thought was interesting, and I'm just going to make it a little note, but I'm not really going anywhere with it, but um, the, the phrase Jesus wept. Um, I, when you study that word, Jesus wept, he was not mourning. At least that's the what it, it appears to me. He was not mourning. He was frustrated. He knew who he was. He knew what he was about. He, was, he, was, uh, he had been showing them all this time who he was, and... and um, and it was like they just were missing the point, you know? And it was like that frustration, come on. Why aren't you, I'm, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to be gone soon. You need to get this. You need to catch on what's going on here. You have this in you. This is not just I'm going to leave and then it's all gone. You have this. I just think that's beautiful. Sorry. So anyway, 
verse 4 says, But when Jesus heard this, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. Often God's doing more than we can see. Jesus knew that in remaining a little longer, Martha and Mary's faith would be built up. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus, but he knew that was going to work for him. And so he made that choice out of love for them. He made that choice. You know, where people were complaining, come on, couldn't he have healed him before he died? He made that choice um, just to draw their faith a little closer to him. Um, So verse 20 says, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Jesus, Jesus often knows that we remain, if we remain in our stuff, in the middle of our struggle, in the middle of our pain, we rarely find our own way out. Martha heard he was there, and she went to him. In her ability to do, Martha got up and went. Mary stayed put. She sat. But Mar- They both heard it. Martha went. It's important for us to connect that. When our struggle is real, I think it's a pretty real struggle for her. She just lost her brother. When our struggle is that real, is that our first thought? Jesus. I need to go to Jesus. In verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know what, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, shall, not, shall he live. And everyone who d- lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She is the same epiphany that he gave to Peter. The same realization, that same aha moment that Peter had. The same one. It's pretty awesome. Sorry. Um, in this moment, in this moment, Martha, I am. I'm that. I almost can picture him cupping her face. Martha, I am. Look at me. Look at me. I am. I'm that resurrection. This is what you need. This is what you need. We have so easily lose our focus, turn our head away, and he's going, come back to me. Look at me. That's where that focus needs to be. As soon as she gets that, it's almost like she just stands up tall again. Oh, and she can receive that. What is her first reaction? She runs off to find her sister. She goes to Mary to share that. So the word resurrection carries a few meanings. I I believe in this moment, Martha was resurrected from her position. So the word um, anastasis, it's an interesting word. Where is the definition? It means a standing up again, either literally from death, or morally, a recovery of spiritual truth. I'm going to say that again. Anastasis, resurrection, means a standing up again, either literally from death, or morally, a recovery of spiritual truth. How often we need that resurrection. How often we need to be brought back to that 
moral recovery of truth. Oh, yeah, but you. And so in that moment, Martha was resurrected. She was brought back to her truth. And as soon as she was, she had to share it with her sister. What a beautiful sight. I need to go share this with my sister. So she runs off and tells Mary, you need to come. Jesus is here. What a lesson that is for us. We don't just, Jesus doesn't just come for us. He comes for us so that we can bring that to our sisters and our brothers, to those around us. What have I to offer? Well, what has he done for you? That's what you have to offer. That's what you have. Mary responds by falling at his feet. You know, I can't even look at you. I just need to be here. So, Jesus isn't controlled by our boxes. How often do we have ideas of how he should do things? We have a vision of him, a version of him we allow in our lives, and his goal is to break down those boxes, little by little. So in, um, before I go anywhere with that, when I was a little kid, I just had this, I must have really believed what I heard, because we had a cat that died, and I buried it, and then um, I, we, I think we had learned that you can, resurrection was for anyone, so we decided to dig up that cat and pray over it so it would come back to life. It didn't work, but God's plan was not for that life. <laughs> But I believed it, you know, you, you got to, um, I don't know, there's just something sweet about that belief. God can do, God can do. It didn't deter me, it didn't make me go, fine, God isn't real. He didn't raise my cat. My mom made me bury it again. <laughs> so verse 39 says, um, Jesus says to Martha, take away the stone. The sister of the dead man exclaimed, um, but Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> Um, they had three days in the, in the tomb where a body, they believed a body would hover, the soul would hover over the body. And then day four, that soul was gone. It's interesting that Jesus waited till that fourth day because they couldn't say, oh, it was just hovering. He, it was, he went past that moment for them, broke out of that box so they would know this was him. Um, essentially, Jesus was saying, open the box, Martha, move that stone. Get it out of there. Don't, don't box me in. Don't hold me back because you think this is where the line is drawn. But Jesus, not really controlled, moves forward. <laughs> and he has a chat with his dad, mostly so that the mourners around him and who didn't know would know. And um, he points that out. And so they took away the stone. They removed the box. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He heard him in his talking. He didn't wait to pray. He, God hears you in your prayer. He hears you when you're talking. He doesn't wait until you go, all right, dear Jesus. And then he listens. He's listening all the time. And when he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Be restored. Come back to life from your decay. The Jews believed that on the last day the dead would rise again. But Jesus broke that box. His resurrection was now. Not, you don't have to wait until the resurrection at the last day. 
he revealed that resurrection is not a one-time in the future event. He is the resurrection. He is that restoration for you, for your friends, for your loved ones. He is that resurrection. He is that restoration now. So we see that the idea of boxes um, is a timeless thing. You know, we all have our boxes. And um, the question is, where are you at? What are your boxes? What sort of box might be blocking you from loving God wholeheartedly? What sort of boxes are holding you back from speaking to that loved one one more time? You know, that judgment that says, I've tried, it's not worth it. One more time. God isn't controlled by that box. Perhaps you've prayed and you've not seen an answer right away, so you hold back. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. He offers the same for you and for me. His love is so great that it didn't get pushed away. He didn't, he didn't go, oh, I have only a week left. I really can't be doing this right now. I can't be bothered. I, you don't understand. I, don't, I need to spend some time with my father. I can't do this. He didn't do that. Why, why do it? You know, so easily. Oh, I can't oh, don't bother me with this right now. I'm too busy. Jesus, he just, he, he just said, okay, another chance to show you how much I love you. Another chance to let you see. I don't live in your box. My, encourage, my encouragement for you today is to let him operate on your situation out of the box. Is your struggle great? He is greater. Is your pain deep? He goes deeper. His goal for you is life. He restores us so we may live. That's his goal. He put us on this earth so that we could live. It's his desire. When we get trapped in our boxes, we're not living. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformation of the mind according to John Piper, happens when we pursue Christ's exalting truth found in the Bible. So we pursue our scriptures, and when we pray for truth embracing humility through the Holy Spirit. Our need for Jesus is real. It's as real as it was for Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Whether we're pulled away by our circumstances, our pain, or unbelief, that he will do as he promised or even if we are dead inside, not even aware of our need, he calls out to us. Sometimes we need to hear and be reminded the master is calling. Sometimes we need to be the one who is reminding them the master is calling. Sometimes we need to be called to stand up. Get up. That's what Martha did for Mary. Get up. The master wants to see you. He is calling. Will you respond? I feel like I just want to give a moment to, to really pray. 
see where your heart is at. If you need prayer, I'm sure somebody's willing to, you must have a prayer team, come up and pray with you. I'm going to put a song on while we're praying, and um, just let it minister to you. It's a beautiful song. Thank you. <laughs> 